Hello. Hello, good evening. Welcome. To? X to the Zennial. I can't! <laughs> I love that we like do the same thing and say the same thing every time. It's like an OCD <laughs> thing at this point. You know what? Speaking of doing the same thing over and over, yeah. I realized I turned my bed down the same way every single night. It just occurred to me this last week. But funny. I push two pillows off the edge and then the round pillow. And then I pile two pillows on top of each other. Yeah. And then I move another one and I put it in the same spot. Everything goes in the same spot. And then I turn the bed down and I move the pillows. And it same, just occurred to you? Same routine. Every night. <laughs> I so. mean, I have my same routine in terms of turning down the bed too. But I do it with intention. And if I'm going out and I'm going to be out late, I do it early. Oh! What is <laughs> so that all I have to do sheets? is like brush my teeth, wash my face, take my vitamin supplements, hit the THC pen, and then go to bed. And then it's bedtime. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's sleep time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that that actually helps. And we talk about like sleep hygiene and routine yeah. and how that manages our anxiety and helps us sleep better. Right. Absolutely. So I have this like bed turning down routine. Yeah. And it just occurred to me. So you know what I did? I had to mix it up. I was like, no, I'm going to put this pillow here. How did that affect your this. anxiety? It didn't. Okay. Good. I was like, all right, cool. You're this not isn't as OCD. attached to it. <laughs> this, is, okay. this isn't a pervasive problem for me. <laughs> like I can live without it. I'm this. totally fine. But then I defaulted back to my routine. Fair enough. I like it. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening tonight. So yes. this evening we're going to be discussing grief. We are, and I had thought about the topic because it's something I work with clients um, on on a regular basis. And so I do some grief counseling, but um, I was talking to another client and I was like, I, unfortunately, I am a bit of an expert on this. Mm -hmm. um, I've been experiencing grief and certainly significant loss since I was pretty young. With your father. With my father, with my boyfriend two years after that, yeah. like just a lot. Um, and so... I thought it would be interesting to talk about um, because it, it's de definitely something that happens to all humans. If you have any kind of attachment, you will eventually have grief. And we have attachment to things. Absolutely. And people. And, and ideas. Right. And all the things. So just definitionally, um, if you've gone to any of my workshops, I just like do a Google search and... It's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> and the although, internet is legit. <laughs> I mean, you've got to go to, you know. Go to the googly moogly. Rep reputable sources. But so when I did a Google search, what came up was deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. Um, and that's kind of the formal, um, it's a noun, but it's also like an action. So there's mm -hmm. that. Um, it could also be a trouble or an annoyance. Like when I say, good grief. Right. That's really me being like, hey, you're annoying me. True. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I mean, when we talk about grief, it's, it's specific response to loss in general. But as we were kind of working on our outline, and certainly as we've talked about before, um, loss does not always mean death. Right. It could be um, a lot of different things. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. Um, so like you said, my, my dad died when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of six, so my siblings experienced grief at different stages in their development and also in, in their awareness in their life. Um, it was probably the most devastating thing to date yeah. that I have ever experienced. Um, 
and I didn't deal with it right away. And then a couple of years later, um, the boyfriend that I had in high school, um, he died suddenly. Um, so those are two kind of pivotal things that happened in my kind of early or late adolescence, mid to late adolescence, um, and certainly affected how I do life. Yeah. Um, and they've definitely, and it was interesting as I was talking to my daughter, um, and we were both talking about our very, uh, kind of atypical view on death. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that I view death is, uh, every day that I've been given is a bonus. Yeah. And I, um, the way that my dad lived his life was very much uh, live it to the fullest every day. And, and I saw that evidenced by like his friends and his family and, and people around him always just saw my dad as like this life of the party. And he was a very gregarious, outgoing, smart, funny human. Um, so I make sure to tell people that I love them. Yeah. And um, and I, you know this every time we part, yep. I tell you I love you. Um, so my friends, my family, people that are close to me, they know that they are loved and that they've been seen by me. Um, and then I just like do every day, do I fuck it up? Absolutely. But do I also do as much possible without regret? Right. Um, that's just kind of how I live. Living it, living it, living it up. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, that's how grief and death specifically have affected how I live my life. Because the two are very much intertwined, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of uh, a little bit about me. Um, but also in my work, um, I have had clients over a significant amount of time. And the things that come up in terms of being in and part of people's lives is that they experience loss. Yeah. that they experienced death of loved ones. And um, I've had clients that um, died suddenly and I've had clients whose family members have been murdered and um, just like a lot of things. And mm -hmm. so um, if you've never experienced it, I can imagine that, you know, new therapists or therapists who are younger who haven't had those kinds of losses struggle with right. those things to be able to relate. I am one of those therapists. I yeah. have not lost. I have all of my grandparents. Yeah. All 200 of them. <laughs> my mom likes to get married and divorced. You divorce wives, you don't divorce children. So sure. I have a great big family and it's wonderful and yeah. I love them all. But I, I'm fortunate that I have all my grandparents. I have your parents, my parents, step parents, um, step parents siblings, all, all the things like right now, my step siblings are going through grief. They lost their mother yeah. uh, January 28th, Thanks. very unexpectedly, mm -hmm. um, so very un it was a very unexpected thing. She hadn't been, she had been mentally ill and had been using substances, mm -hmm. um, but it was just a very unexpected situation. Yeah. So I've been on the outside watching my, my stepbrothers, my brothers grieve. Yeah. Um, and checking in, you know, with their wives, like, how are you guys doing? Like, it's are you okay? Like I can listen. But I realized in having those conversations and those talks, like I've never experienced this and I don't know how that utter loss feels. Yeah. Like I can't feel that in my body because I don't know what that feels like. Sure. I mean, um, you are a very empathetic person and you can imagine. I can imagine. But it's not the same as having that experience Absolutely. and really kind of a, um, 
like you said, in your body, a, a, a visceral resource. reaction, yes. a visceral place where like, oh, this is where grief lives. Yeah. When someone feels this, maybe it's different in their body, but this is what grief is and this is what it feels like. And yes, I've had grief in my life. I sure. grew up without my bio down. Mm -hmm. Like that's loss. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know any really difference. So the way I just compartmentalize that through life is I have a great stuff down and right? I don't know any different. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, I've had loss of pets. I've mm -hmm. had loss of friendships. Yeah. Um, those have been devastating in some cases. In mm -hmm. some cases, they've been the best thing that's ever happened to both of us. Right. Um, I've had, you know, breakups. I've had a divorce. I've had the loss of, you know, a dream. Jobs and dreams and All plans things. and, yeah. And all of those things are not any less or more, there's not any one kind of grief that's more or less devastating. That's true. But it definitely gives you a different perspective Absolutely. when you've had certain kinds of loss versus other kinds of loss. Right. With like, with my brothers, going back to that and then going back to being a counselor when mm -hmm. it comes to grief and loss counseling, when I was doing mental health therapy, yeah. I had a really hard time. I was like, I don't know the, even now when someone loses someone. I have a really hard time. I'm like, I don't know what to say. Right. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. I know that I can't make this better. I know how to be present. Mm -hmm. That's all I know how to do is be present. And that's actually helpful. That, it, it can't be. Yeah, it can't <laughs> but be. It, but I, I mean, from that, from that counselor mental health perspective, um, a lot of times, and that's why I bring it up, is a lot of times um, newer counselors or counselors who have never experienced that really struggle with yeah. clients who are dealing with these really um, devastating and uh, life-changing and life-altering. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so you, I love that you brought up the other kinds of loss um, specific to like losing friendships or losing jobs or... Losing your health. Absolutely. Because tell I, me more about that. Oh my gosh. My, my health... <laughs> I am a very unhealthy person who's very healthy. Yeah. It's an oxymoron. And not through any fault of your own. Like, no. your body is just doing a thing. My body is so reactive. So, um, I struggle with autoimmune, tons of autoimmune problems. And, um, when everything really came to a head and my body just really deteriorated, I ended up in the hospital with tubes in my body, was diagnosed with my first autoimmune issue condition mm -hmm. and was just at a loss because yeah. I knew that it was going to be the uh, celiac disease. I knew it was going to be a change of everything I'd known. I, was, I couldn't even open my refrigerator for three days. I was like, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to eat. I don't yeah. know what, to, I don't know. And it, it was, I was in sheer panic, mm -hmm. just like, how do I feed myself? How do I not be sick? I don't want to end up in the hospital again. Like... I could have lost my small intestine, <laughs> like, yeah. this is, I could be on a, a colonoscopy bag, like, this, this could have been a lot worse, so that's how I rationalized, right, yeah. to calm myself down, and then I was like, I gotta figure this out, mm -hmm. but then the loss of, like, you know, infertility issues that I was struggling with for a long time that have now, like, resolved themselves as I've gained back my health and understanding of my body and being sure. proactive and being able to do that, but I do still have insulin issues and mm -hmm. resistance issues and I'm and so it's a it's a, just as it is you kind of have to go through a morning stage where you're just like wow I can't do the things that other people can do yeah that makes me feel weird and different and I don't like that and you kind of have to grieve like this was my lifestyle and I have to figure out a new lifestyle and I don't know how to do that I don't know what changes or modifications I need to make and so I could have sat in that very helpless and very like freaked out yeah I could have defaulted back to not taking care of myself to going back to my norm. 
But instead I was like, all right, to the bookstore I go, to the internet I go, reach out to family, reach out to friends. And I had a hard time telling people about a lot of my health stuff because I was like, I don't want to be perceived as different because I don't want right. people to treat me different. Or weak or less than. Right. Or and, just And that's different. true for people in grief because right. it does change how people look at you. Right. And how they treat you and how they talk to you. And I can imagine that was really difficult to kind of come out and say, this is what I've been going through. Right. No, it was. And I was like, it, and it was also a relief that it was like, okay, there is something wrong with me. I'm not a hypochondriac. <laughs> like, so it was relieving, but then it was also in that aha of like, oh, I have no solutions. I must figure them out. <laughs> like, right? I have info, but I have no solutions. So I had to go through a process of, of grieving with a lot of, like, my health stuff that's come up and still comes up. Like, sure. um, over this last few weeks, I've been feeling really fatigued and really tired. And um, I had an episode at a restaurant. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I was just pouring sweat down. I, I just felt like I was going to throw up and poop my pants at the same time. It oh was gosh. just terrifying and scary. And I was with a friend at the time. And just having an episode in front of somebody was yeah. really hard. Absolutely. Because it put me in a very vulnerable place. Mm -hmm. But it was also like, I handled that so differently now. Mm -hmm. I handled it so different than I did 10 years ago, things like that. Yeah. Because I was just like, okay, well, this is what that was and I'm okay. This, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry. Because I go straight into taking care of other people. Right. <laughs> and and like, that's easy to do. And that's that defense mechanism of like, yep. you know, let me take care of you. I'm fine, but are you okay from, like, witnessing what just happened to me where it right. looked like I was about to fall on the floor and have a seizure? Yeah. Like, I didn't. That could happen, though. <laughs> like, that could happen. So, let, we're okay, though. We're yeah. okay. So, a lot different in the 10 years. I'm a lot more open. I still do have, you know, grief over, you know, I... I eat well, I sleep well, I self-care well, I feel like I'm doing all the things and then my body just revolts on me. Absolutely. It just revolts. It's like, mm, we're going to just start attacking ourselves. Right. Because it seems like the right thing to do. And I have no control. <laughs> Absolutely. And not having control is hard. Absolutely. It kind of intertwines with grief and all of those things. And it, it affects your anxiety. It affects your depression. It affects how you view yourself and, and your power and ability to get over things or, or work through things or address things head on. And you are a very address things head on human. Right. Um, but sometimes you can feel overwhelmed Yeah. and you know, that can lead to a lot of other things. So right. I appreciate you sharing and being Thank vulnerable. Um, it is interesting because identity is a big piece of that, right? Because right. we talk about, um, and I have, have learned certainly dealing with clients is, Identity is a big piece of how we obviously view ourselves, but when that changes, so through illness, I've got clients who have chronic conditions who, who really struggle with, this is not how my 40s is supposed to look, or this is not how retirement is supposed to look. Retirement is another really big transitionary place for oh, people. Yeah. Going school, education, graduation, there's tons of milestones. I'm putting them in air quotes. Sure. Uh, that are these changes throughout, and retirement is a big one. And they, they cause grief. They cause irritation, annoyance, uh, identity, uh, awareness. Um, they cause sadness. 
they cause depression, they cause anxiety. And those things happen. Um, so, so yes, death is a big overarching thing, but I think the bigger piece is identity. Who are we? How do we see ourselves? And divorce is another one of those yeah. where we recognize when we take on a partner and make these commitments and buy a house and do all the things. Do the dreaming. Absolutely. Like dream about like, okay, like let's have children. Let's bring our parents in when they retire and take care of our parents. And how are we going to do that? And you make this whole life map. Plan. Plan. Yeah. And when a divorce happens or even before the divorce and things aren't working, mm -hmm. then you start the grieving process, right? Yeah. That's when I started. And I it's like the slow death of things that I thought that I wanted or I thought that I could have. It's the death of a dream. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Absolutely. That is sad. And it's painful. Mm -hmm. It's painful to then have to start over or pick up uh, a new way of looking at yourself. Create a new identity because... Your identity was you and your partner, and yeah. everybody knew you as you and your partner as a couple, and Absolutely. then the separation of friends, and the separation of family. Especially the stuff. Stuff. And yeah. just give it all to your ex. Well, I mean, that's the way that you and I look at it. <laughs> but it is also, um, you know, it's when I talk to clients about who are going through grief, um, it's, it's a complete breakdown of how you perceived yourself yeah. and your life. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you know, learning that you had these really significant health issues and how it was going to change almost everything about you. And it still does yeah. to this day. Like if I go out on a date with someone and they want to go to a brewery, I can't drink beer. So I go, but then I'm weird because I'm like, oh, I'll have a nice tea. And then they're like, why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, well, because I have this like illness and I can't drink. I, that has turned a lot of people off. And I'm like, well, that's kind of their loss. Like this sure. is mine to manage, not Absolutely. theirs to manage. And that's how I, I take ownership yeah. of it. I'm like, no, this is for me to figure out and hash out. Like you can have your beer. I'm not telling you not to drink. Right. So I just don't want to be like sick. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. And it, it, it affects a lot of parts of your life. It does. And so when you have that breakdown, and I, I talk to them about, like, just, it's everything shatters. And then you have to put your life back together, sometimes missing certain parts. Right. And that's how you identify the loss, is really like, yes, there's this person that I love and is no longer here. Right. And so part of the grief work that I do is really identifying how they are still there, right? but it looks different. How they have imparted knowledge, how they have given you, you know, items, or how they have given you life lessons, or ways to kind of then rebuild yourself right. with those parts. They look different, but they're still parts of the person that you loved, or the dream that you had, or the identity that you once inhabited. Right. Right? And so... It's, it's challenging because when we talk about these big life changes, these milestones, I love that you brought in education because that's a big piece of it. It's huge. Especially in domain. this country, right? In this yeah. country, we have this prescribed way of formal education. Yeah. We have a prescribed way of just how you should live your life. 
it's like a culture thing. Right. It's weird. Don't yeah. listen to it. Do you. <laughs> do you. You do you. You'll be the happiest if you do you. But also recognizing that not everyone fits into that prescribed model. No, there are people and, and there are individuals and there are lovely, amazing, incredible humans that are born with disabilities that Absolutely. are seen right there at birth and noted, you know, cerebral palsy um, is one that can really uh, impact and affect um, mental cognition and mm -hmm. physical abilities. Absolutely. And I work with children with mm -hmm. disabilities. Absolutely. Um, and but disabilities are also bigger than the obvious than the physical obvious. things mm -hmm. because emotional uh, development is one of them, mm -hmm. behavioral. There's a lot of things that fall under that. So tell that me more about that. category. Oh, it's a huge, huge, huge umbrella. So special education, when we say that in the formalized education setting, actually goes all the way from like your kid with a 200 IQ which isn't real, um, all the way to your kid who has a 40 IQ. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and actually they stop assessment at 50. So the, those are your numbers. So it's a giant range. So mm -hmm. special education encompasses all the way from like super, super cognitively up there to super, super cognitively low. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in the education system, how we look at that. Sure. So under my umbrella and what I work in in special education is looking at the transition of those students on both of those ends of that spectrum. Sure. And then all the students in between. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of them. And that's they're lovely. And it's not always going to be prescribed for them to go kindergarten through sixth grade. And then transition into middle school. Serve three years of middle school, transition into high school serve their high school time, get their high school diploma, graduate, go to college, or go to work. Mm -hmm. That is, in some cases, not what the pathway is going to look like. Sure. That's not the life model that this individual is going to lead. Mm -hmm. Some students do not have the drive, the ambition, the want, desire to do that. Sure. Some families also don't have the want, the desire to do that and or the means or the, or means. the awareness of how that works blah, right blah. or setting up like all the processes in place and those parents what I know have noticed and I've seen is the grief at every stage of that transition because I work middle school to high school transition and then high school to post-secondary mm -hmm. post-secondary meaning whatever that is whether that's employment college etc and I see parents at two spots mm -hmm. of a tra huge transition for their children yeah and they are in panic because they are fearful and they're scared because they're still grieving. Mm -hmm. They're still grieving like my my child isn't typical. My child isn't going to be able to do those things. Right. Instead of taking that light and saying these are the things that my child can do and these are the things that my child is great at. That's my job. That's what mm -hmm. I do for them. Yeah. And these are the things that they can do and these are the ways that we can do this and sure. support your child. So it's not going to look like the cookie cutter outline that we prescribe. Right but it's gonna look like this. Mm -hmm. And let's put in these supports and let's do this. And I think that helps those parents with that grieving. Absolutely. Because they start to feel safe and they start to feel secure and they start to feel acceptance from the whole community. Like, Absolutely. oh my gosh, my kid can work. I've been, I have been just straight looked in the eyes before. And they're like, my kid can work? I'm like, <laughs> why can't your kid work? Right. Well, because they're in a wheelchair. People, people in wheelchairs, wheelchairs, they go to work, yep. and they drive cars. Mm -hmm. And then that's when people are like, what? They drive in a wheelchair? And I'm like, let me show you. Yeah. Let me educate you. Let me show you. But, yeah, it's a lot of grief for those parents. And, Absolutely. And I see that through in the, in the ways that they 
project that grief is sometimes very hostile and scary and terrifying mm -hmm. um, to us who are the providers that are saying we are here to support, we're here to help, let us help you. So it's hard when you have very a lot of hostility because then there's a lot of resistance. And there's a lot of anger in that. There's a mm -hmm. lot of anger in grief. And, and before we end, I definitely want to go over the stages of grief. But yeah, there's a lot of hostility. There's a lot mm -hmm. of disbelief. There's right. a lot of, what the fuck are we going to do now, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how is this going to happen? Um, and then there's a lot of, on the other end of that, hostility and rage. Again, I'm talking spectrum. There's the... I just don't know what to do and I'm in complete denial and shock because I'm still grieving the fact that my child is not going to be like my other child or like the other children, that their life is going to look different and I wanted them to do this. I wanted them to graduate high school. I wanted them to go to college. When I was pregnant, I saw them getting married and walking down the aisle and I saw them having a happy life and playing sports and, you know, doing having a quinceanera and doing all of these things. I saw that for my child. And I'm just in complete denial and I can't accept or receive any support or help right now. That's so challenging. It's so hard. It I just is got heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. I just got chills talking about it. And then I see every parent in between. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so those are my extreme ends that I work in. But helping people to learn to more information. Sure. To help them through that grieving process of, okay, this is what your expectation is because that's what your vision and your dream is. Mm -hmm. Let's see what we can do to make that happen as much as we can. Sure. Um, so, yeah, what I do is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. I love it so and much. Also, like you said, when you were dealing with the mental health aspect and perspective of, of looking at counseling, that felt so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, with time, with experience, with being able to kind of work on these different with these different families, mm -hmm. being able to transition them through that grief. Right. To support them. Because I am a deep empathizer, but I also have a hidden illness. You don't look at me and be like, you're sick. Right. I don't look at me and say, I'm sick until I feel sick. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I'm sick. What am I not doing right right now? Sure. I can, I can resonate. Like, I can understand. I had a whole vision of lots of things for myself, and then mm -hmm. my health took a shit. And right. I spent like a good eight years not in a healthy state, physically or mentally at that point. Right. Um, but yeah, then things change. So I can, I can understand. And I think that's what's helped me with the mental health aspects and counseling with the parents and the, and the students. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, and I love that, you know, both of us looking through our own experience, but also our own experience through work, have looked at how grief is a big part of this, but it is also something that leads to transition, mm -hmm. which is moving through these really difficult, challenging experiences to something different. Right. Better is relative, but different is at least non-judgmental and saying, okay, I know that this is the hardest thing that you've had to deal with. Right. Or losing that idea of what your kiddo looks like or what their life is supposed to be and then transitioning to how do we make this different how do we make this work right how, how do we, how we make, make the situation work how do we how do we make sure that your kid achieves their their dreams yeah and their vision of themselves let's get started yeah like let's move forward transition means change that's all it means. And that's all it means is it's a change. And you can look at a transition as something that will impair you and impede you. 
because you are so overwhelmed that you just sabotage yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I have kids that don't graduate. Yeah. And they do that in the spring right before their graduation. They do that in January, February, and March. They set the tone. And they know what they're doing because I'm on their butts about it. I'm like, right. hey, six weeks grades. And you're hey, yeah, six weeks grades. Half a credit things. Yep. Yeah, you're going to fail this class. Then you're going to be too short half a credit. You're not going to graduate. Second six weeks comes in, and then I have to make the phone calls. Hi, your student is not going to be able to graduate and walk the line in May. Second six weeks grades came in. We have another F. There's no way to get past that. At this point, they'll be short of half a credit. So let's go ahead and talk about summer school. And let's talk about our options. And let's talk about how we'll have a graduation in July. So it won't be the formal. And explain the whole process. Yep. Let's just change. And we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And that's what life is. And that's what grief is. Grief is this shit fucking bomb just went off. Your whole life devastated. Your whole life devastated. That's a huge change. Absolutely. How then do I empower myself to move with this instead of And rebuild it myself. And build yourself. To, is it going to be missing this human or this situation or this part that I thought that I was going to have? And then what do I look like? You know, I talk a lot about the new normal, right? The new normal. And we get a new normal all the time. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is that our bodies go through changes and we get a new normal. I mean, I think about like the most devastating ones, right? So, you know, we go from like infancy to toddler and toddler to early childhood, like, you know, preschool, all the things, to middle school, to... Puberty! Oof. That's a really big one. That's a big one. Like, that's like biopsychosocial all over the place. It's all your the biology's parts. all fucked up. Your whole psychology's all fucked up because of your, your hormones. Your hormones, right? Like, everything is different. What was important before is important. It's, you know, puberty's scary. Sure. And then adulthood and what that looks like and all the milestones and things that we have to go through as adults. And then, you know, as I transition into middle life, oh, Um, (laughs) you know, there's all these steps, there's all these parts and our bodies change over time, Mm -hmm. you know, and our cells change every day. And there are parts of us that don't work or work better or all of these things. The, The whole lifespan is about change and transition. The unfortunate piece is that as human beings, we form attachments We form attachments to people. We form attachments to ideas. We form attachments to other humans who come in and out of our lives and friendships and partnerships and all of those things. So grief is a natural part of that. But it's still so devastating when it happens, when a loss from that attachment happens. You know, we talk about our health. We talk about... um, having an identity of this is who I am as a worker, this is who I am as a wife, this is who I am as a parent. And all of those transitions change. They are not immune from that. And the human condition, though strong and amazing as we watch it, is also painful and devastating. And how we deal with it is the psychology piece, right? Like that's the piece of... How do we continue to not just perpetuate throughout our lives, but perpetuate the species? Right. 
for good or bad. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, that it's interesting. I definitely want to talk about the stages of grief because I think they're important. They um, are. And whoever came up with them, you know, there's, for some people there are five, for some people there are seven. Some people there's 12. Oh my God. I know, that's an overwhelming amount. I'll that's pull up the 12 while okay. we start going over. So this is the model that I generally use, which is the five. Um... And this does not happen in linear order. I do want to make sure that everyone knows that because it would be lovely if it went in linear order, but it almost in a day you can go through all of them. And so denial is uh, one of them. And it's that idea of this can't be happening. And you talk about certainly with health things. Um, I can't believe this is happening. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to do anything with it. Um, anger. I'm super frustrated. Uh, why is this happening to me? Right. Um, and that's a big one. Bargaining, I'll do anything to change this. Like, you know, there's people who were like, I will do anything to go back in time and change this moment or whatever. Um, depression is a big piece and people sometimes get stuck in that. Um, and it's that helpless piece of I, I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to change my life. And they can cycle back into it. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like there, if it were linear, that would be cool. Yeah. But it's even in a day, you can go through all of them. And um, the last one is acceptance. Acceptance is also something that is fleeting. Like there are moments and, and I know that when I'm dealing with people and certainly with the grief and loss of a human, um, one of the most devastating feelings is after you initially learn about the loss or witness the loss or however, the hardest thing about being a human being and having a memory is falling asleep and knowing that this is the truth and waking up and having to remember that this is the truth. Reality's hard. It is the most devastating thing. And, um, you know, I have different clients who um, have lost spouses or um, have lost children or um, have lost parents and, or siblings. Fuck, there's so many, right? And yep. best friends. Yep. Like the person mm -hmm. that they thought they were going to be with. Absolutely. And that feeling of waking up and then having to relive it all is the most devastating. Yeah. Um, but what I've also seen, what I've also experienced, what I've also witnessed is people do find a way. They're resilient. We're resilient with all Absolutely. of our spectrum of emotions and feelings and all the things we can do. We were also, we also have resiliency. Absolutely. And we get through. And we do. And whatever that looks like, you know, so... That's one thing that if you have the opportunity, um, because you will all have the opportunity to grieve, mm -hmm. you will all have the opportunity to lose something mm -hmm. or someone or an identity or, or your a dream. Come on, when you turn 40, your back is probably going to start hurting. Yeah, my back was hurting when I was like 12. Mine's hurting when I was <laughs> like 20-something. <laughs> but... Understand that, one, it is natural. Mm -hmm. It is normal, even though it feels so abnormal. Mm -hmm. And you will get through it. Maybe not the way that you want to, and maybe not as soon as you would like it to be over. But you will get through it. Mm -hmm. And right when you're about to get through it, you're going to be hit with it again. You're going to go back into denial! <laughs> 
You gotta start over! <laughs> right? So did you find the 12? It's because they break down acceptance into four components. Oh, tell me more. So, which I think is interesting. Um, so this one, Kubler-Ross, is that who you ascribe to? Denial, dissociation. Oh, see, that one's new. Anger. Mm-hmm. Bargaining. Yeah. Depression. Okay. Acceptance. Okay. And then we go through acceptance, and just acceptance itself, there's four stages to that. And so there's worthlessness, mm -hmm. then there's interest, but it's also pervasive, okay. of future planning. Then there is um, unimportance, okay. and then there is um, because I said so, which Weird. is the title. So, yeah, so they just break it down into more stages. Um, inadequacy. Okay. That's new. I haven't heard that for grief. Although I can see it. I can see it though now in just reading that. Yeah. But yeah, so those are, those ones are new to me. Dissociation and inadequacy. Yeah. So. It, it is a very, um, if you, if you're curious, like you just, we are curious. So we say yeah. things and we look things up. Um, but definitely be able to, um, find what works for you. Um, right. I definitely think that grief counseling is super important, even just to have someone outside of your circle to process this with, mm -hmm. or, um, or someone to cry in front of. Absolutely. When I was getting divorced, I knew I was getting divorced probably a well, I yeah, I knew I was getting divorced about a year before it happened. Um, and we negotiated going into therapy. So I go to therapy and work on my stuff. He go to therapy, work on his stuff. Then we come together for marriage therapy, right? Mm -hmm. My first, so I went to therapy. Mm -hmm. My first two sessions, I literally just sat there and cried. Yeah. And couldn't talk. I was trying to talk, but I was just crying and crying and crying and crying. And then I'd leave. I was like, damn, I feel good. That was a great therapy session. I didn't learn anything. Yeah. I didn't talk really about anything, but I just got these emotions that are weighing on me out. Because yeah. that is a safe person to see my sadness and my grief and validate it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's okay to grieve. And it's okay to sob uncontrollably. Absolutely. You are allowed to do that. So, yeah, everybody does grief in their own way and processing in their own way, transitions in their own way. Sure. Um, we transition every day, all the time. Absolutely. Like, our day never goes how it's supposed to. No. Ever. <laughs> I mean, it's nice if, like, one or two things happen the yeah, way that's, they're supposed that's to, legit. but, you know, it, it is a matter of kind of letting go of what you cannot control. Right. And certainly when I deal with clients with anxiety and, and all of those things, it's like, let's figure out what's yours. Right. Right. <laughs> Let go of what's not right. and what can you control in this moment. Right. And if that is your breathing, then that's okay. Then that's all right. If you need to get yourself a snack, I encourage snacks. Get some ice cream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also recognize that we are resilient as human beings. We are. We are capable of moving past things and through things. And even though denial and anger... Um, and bargaining and depression are all part of these things, we do get to a place of acceptance even when that's painful. Yeah. And we have this amazing ability to rebuild ourselves and find the new normal. Yeah. And so that is helpful. That is great. That's our time. Well, this was good. Uh, right. It's a I lot feel kind of heavy. Sad. Right? I kind of feel heavy. <laughs> so 
Self-care. <laughs> Feels heavy. Um, but thank you to our clients for our clients. Our, yes, because you're all my clients. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, listeners. And um, we continue to grow and, and really enjoy doing this. It's a big part of, I think, even our identity. And yeah. this will also someday be over. <gasps> but we have had an amazing and um, really great opportunity to have these conversations with each other and the feedback that we get is that it's impactful and that it's important so we hope that you took something from tonight's podcast Absolutely. or any of our podcasts and Thank use you. that as a resource we appreciate you spending your time listening, listening to, to us, us. <laughs> <laughs> all right good night we will talk to you soon have a great rest of your week